Welcome to this APTA podcast. Hello, welcome everyone to our APTA member podcast. I am Danielle Audain, and I'm a third year DPT student at Emory University and also a member of our APTA student board of directors. I'm super excited to have you all today. And on this episode, we're going to ask four member PTs to share their advice for new grads. We're going to talk about everything from job search to finding mentors after graduation, tips and tricks for getting out in the field and much more. So thank you guys for joining us today. I want everyone to introduce themselves and tell me a little bit about where you practice currently. And let's start with Jenna, then we'll go with Joey, Megan, and Tom. Thanks so much. Um, Glad to be here. My name is Jenna Banks, and um, my husband and I, Grant, just started our own practice called Active Alliance Physical Therapy in Greenville, South Carolina. And about three weeks ago, so very new. Um, I have my orthopedics uh, specialist certification um, and a specialty in pelvic floor therapy. And I completed an orthopedic residency right out of school in Greenville, South Carolina. And Tom, who's on this (laughs) uh, podcast, was one of my um, primary mentors in that residency. But then my training for pelvic floor was a little bit unique, so I've completed some coursework, but I had um, one-on-one mentoring in the clinic um, for about nine months when I was living and working in Olympia, Washington. So that's how I kind of got into the world of pelvic floor. Um, At the moment, uh, I don't, at our clinic, we don't have a a formal process to mentor new grads or bring in new PTs, obviously, because we're just trying to get patients to fill our own schedules. But this is something that Grant and I um, is near and dear to our hearts and is something that we foresee our um, practice providing in the future. So I'll follow up. So I'm Joey Bickers. I'm the co-owner of Smithfield Physical Therapy Specialists with my wife as well. Uh, in Smithfield, Virginia, and I'm a board-certified specialist in orthopedic physical therapy and a fellow of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. Uh, So our clinic's relatively new as well, Um, been around a little bit longer than a few weeks, uh, but still trying to get uh, get solid feet on the ground. One of the ways that we, uh, my wife and I, have maintained some direct contact uh, in the arena as far as trying to help foster growth, as far as clinical reasoning, uh, and clinical and professional development is by getting involved with entry-level students by way of a journal club. Uh, so we do that annually with our alma mater, uh, and it's been a great way to kind of discuss cases at a deeper level with students uh, to get beyond just kind of that base entry-level didactic, uh, I guess, feel. Uh, so with that, we can get, kind of maintain contact and communications with them as they're transitioning from student to professional, uh, and that's been a fun way for us to be able to maintain some, some degree of involvement with that. As well, over the years, we've worked with several students observing us as they're preparing to apply through PTCAS and being able to maintain those relationships and being able to talk about how to prepare for becoming a professional and what to look for as they're moving into that arena as well has been a fun way for us to be involved. Um, okay, uh, my name is Megan Lopez. Thank you guys for having me. Um, and I am currently a senior physical therapist at Encompass Health Rehab Hospital in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, and I am the lead uh, PT for our amputee program. We're working to uh, get certified by the Joint Commission. Um, so I've been, it's kind of been my baby the last year, just trying to build that. Um, and I'm working towards achieving my NCS at some point. I don't really know when that's going to 
to be, but um, working towards that. Um, and I was actually a student um, at this hospital. So um, it's been exciting to kind of see that transition um, from student to being in the field. Um, but I am certified. I have a level one credentialed uh, clinical instructor uh, certification through the APTA. Um, and I've had been taking students for about two years now. Um, I've been practicing for three. Um, so I work very closely with students um, pretty consistently. Um, and I work for, with them anywhere from their second clinical to their last uh, right before graduation or taking the NPT. Um, and I'm also a preceptor as well for uh, new hires. And we take a lot of new grads um, at our hospital. So um, I kind of go through the orientation process with them, um, you know, when they need the most guidance, especially if they're new grads um, and mentorship. And hi, I'm Tom Denninger. Uh, excited to be here with this uh, really distinguished group. So um, I'm a physical therapist, uh, graduated from Sacred Heart University in 2008, stayed and completed my orthopedic clinical uh, residency there, um, and then relocated to Greenville, South Carolina and joined a practice where I was able to complete uh, my uh, fellowship in manual therapy through Evidence in Motion um, and joined the faculty of the established uh, sports residency program that we had here, as well as kind of create and found uh, our orthopedic residency. Um, you know, I've taken lots of students. I've worked with lots of residents and and, and fellows, and uh, I currently serve as the senior director of learning and development for ATI. Um, so that includes overseeing our student program, our onboarding program, and our mentorship programs. And uh, COVID really presented the ability to reset a lot of those. Um, you know, we didn't necessarily you know, it was always out of kind of best intentions, but probably there was gaps in those programs. Uh, and just over the last two and a half years, we've really been able to lean in and try to create the optimal experience uh, for those. We're not there yet, but we're, we're trying to learn a little bit every day just so we can support folks who are transitioning, whether it's coming from PT or PTA school into the professional workforce, or if someone is transitioning um, between practice settings uh, coming from home health or uh, acute care settings into outpatient orthopedics. Um, but very excited to be here. That was great. Thank you, everyone. Um, you guys gave me a lot of questions that came to mind. And the first question I thought of was wondering about Considering important factors for recent grads to keep in mind when applying for a job or an interview, what things would you probably point out? Megan, let's start with you. Okay, um, so um, as I came out of school, um, I think the biggest thing that I looked for was uh, having a good mentor, or um, I think my best advice is finding somebody that, you know, a co-workers that you really uh, vibe with, I guess is the best thing. Um, so my advice is to identify like first what's really important to you, whether that's a location or a salary or uh, the community or the setting. Um, I think that will help students you know, guide where they want to go um, with their career. Um, but I always found myself telling all my students that I think that who you work with is super important um, because, you know, you think about it, you're going to be with these people more than your family, more than your significant other. Um, so surrounding yourself with people that who inspire you and people that you want to be like um, is really important and um, finding those those mentors. 
I agree, Megan. I think that's that's right on. You spend so much time with the people that that you work with that if you're not going to be happy going to work, it's going to be a really short term piece. Um, the other advice I would say is just, you know, I go back to my days playing college football. Your your recruitment experience is very different than your first day of practice. Um, you know, so just you need to validate everything that you're told, everything that you see, you know, whatever it is, everybody has a great mentorship program, but until you know the details of it, you might not understand that that means, well, you're going to treat over there and I'm going to treat over there. And, and if you have a question, you can ask me um, that that might be their definition of a mentorship program, which might not align with what you're looking for. So ask specific, make sure you're clarifying details um, and if you can go and shadow and see and really understand what that day in day out experience and who these people are that you're, uh, you know, going to be kind of welcoming into your very close intimate circle, um, that's the ideal opportunity to know that that it's going to be a place that you have more than just a, a very short relationship with. Okay, so to add to the importance of looking for places that offer mentorship, mentorship. No, nowhere is looking for a new grad to like have it all together or to know everything about patient care. And so um, you don't have to feel like you need to present yourself in that way. And especially if you get vibes that that place is looking for you to be like all on your own or just go after it, you know, you you've done all your clinical, you know, training and your education like that, that to me is a little bit of a red flag. So um, present yourself as kind of, if, if this is important to you, one of the, the things that you're looking to convey is that you're eager to learn and, and you realize that that is important to continue to develop. Just to add something maybe a little bit different too from the mentorship is, you know, really try to define what your goals are. You don't have to get things just dead on right from the get-go. Obviously, you want to try to vet things and make sure that the clinic's a good fit for you and that you're a good fit for the clinic. Um, but it's also worth bearing in mind that you can always make those changes along the way. Ultimately, you want to try to do things to set yourself up for success in the context of your long-term goals. So if that's pursuing a particular residency or fellowship, if that's an opportunity with the, you know, the place you're applying, then great. But if it's not, there's still value to be had with learning experience you can take in that job. Again, ultimately try to make sure that you have a good culture fit and that you think that you can take as much away from that job as you can put into it. Thank you, guys. Those are all really good um, things to think about. I also wanted to kind of pinpoint a little bit about what Megan said. Um, I know that you have you were saying that you uh, had a clinical rotation at the same company that you now work for. That can be an interesting dynamic that many students may actively seek out when picking their clinicals or it could just be happenstance. Could you give a little bit of insight onto how you decided like that that same company was a good fit for you and for the rest of you all, if you want to chime in on maybe like noticing how to leverage your experiences to work at a different place that's in the same setting, that could also be great. Yeah, so... Um, when I was a student here, I really just the end, I think, again, I keep coming back to like the people that I worked with. Um, everybody was just so positive and they were a lot like me and I looked up to a lot of them. Um, so I think having had that and had other clinical experiences, I think this was the one clinical that I was like, hey, I'm like really excited to go to work today. <laughs> um, like I felt that every single day and that 
that's how I knew that like this was the match for me um because the other clinicals that I had I was like oh I have to I have to go to work today um but this was the one that I really uh just vibed with and I think um I knew right away and I interviewed at other places like after graduating um and even in the same company I but it was a different location um I interviewed at a place in Kansas um and something about it just didn't feel right I got offered the job um but something just didn't feel right I didn't they offered me the job without even you know going to the hospital and like meeting the people um so I think that like just because you get that first job offer doesn't mean that you have to take it. Um, and I think that that's like my biggest thing. My parents were pushing me to take it. It was during COVID and like they were like, take this job. You're not going to find another one. And <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Something just like doesn't feel right. Um, and then I ended up coming back to the same uh, place I had my rotation and I just instantly knew that it was the right fit. So um, you might hear a common thread in some of my answers. But when I was a third year student, I I knew probably towards the um, second half that I wanted to pursue a residency right after school. And so one of the things that was important to me was to find a clinical site that was also tied to a residency program. And I, I would highly recommend that to anybody who's even thinking that that might be something that they want to pursue. Because what that enabled me to do was not only get to know a lot of the mentors who would be teaching me and helping me in the clinic. But I got to go sit on journal clubs and didactic sessions and case presentations. And I saw what the current residents were doing and involved in. And I would say that being immersed in that culture, in that setting, I was, I was like, this is where I want to go. <laughs> like, this is absolutely the residency that I want to pursue because because there were no unknowns for me. And so maybe going to another residency location would have ended up being phenomenal and a good experience, but it took a little bit of that, um, the what ifs or the concern about going from Ohio to Greenville, South Carolina, like what's, what's this gonna hold? But um, that would be one thing that I would encourage some students to look into um, and, and, and really just ask your clinical instructors like, hey, can I take some clinic time to go observe a mentoring session or go observe didactic? And um, I, I highly doubt that, that anybody is going to say, no, don't do that, <laughs> because it, it's going to give you a lot of insight to um, what that might hold. And Jenna, to piggyback that, maybe it's a red flag if they are saying, no, 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 we don't want you to do that at all. Um, I, I agree. I think sometimes there's a tendency to be like, Oh, if I was here, I've gotten all that I can get there. So I should go do something that's that's very different, just from a, a, a very different opposing points of view, things along those lines. You know, we don't absorb everything, right? You know, I mean, uh, when you hear something, hopefully you're retaining 20% of it. So we know that experts do the basics really, really well. It's not about, oh, I need to go to a different program that's going to expand my view. It's going to be, I need to go to some place that's going to enrich my knowledge and in, in kind of this shared space that we can, we can, you know, agree is around best practices and things along those lines. So I, I agree with Jenna, if you're kind of thinking about residency or there's a residency that you're passionate about, 
pursue a clinical rotation with those uh, places. If you're not interested in a residency, hey, still, I think I'm interested in working in that place. Can I see that? Can I essentially have a 10 or 12-week interview where they're not just getting to know me, right? To Megan's point, it's a highly, you know, it's not a competitive job market right now, right? Most graduates or people who are looking to change jobs certainly can in the PT space. I, you know, me as the student is interviewing that place to see if it's somewhere where I feel I belong and will be supported and will have, you know, a, a great start to my professional career. Awesome. That was great, guys. Um, just to switch gears a little bit and probably circle back to this topic of figuring out the right place for you. Let's say you do get the job. The people sound great, but they don't have a formalized mentoring program. And some of you all have kind of gone through that experience of kind of like just organically finding a mentor. What um, resources would you suggest? And maybe like what questions would you say that you should ask to someone who is just offering to be a mentor that you're actively seeking out and asking them, can they mentor you? I think one of the things that popped up kind of thematically in those last responses was as a student having the capacity to have that experience in the clinic. So I think you really, as a student, really embrace those relationships with your CIs and even the other therapists you establish relationships with. You know, having gone through a fair amount of post-professional education, I still have a couple of my old CIs that I will email if I have a question. We'll still rattle off about cases. So I think Certainly there are ways, and I think we'll have some good discussion here on finding new mentors, but don't forget the ones that you've had in the past because they can still be a very valuable resource for you. And because I am not in a position where like new new grads are just flocking towards our clinic or our practice setting right now, um, one way that I would love to assist um, new grads would be um, my husband and I both are adjunct professors at Tufts University in their um, their hybrid program in Boston. And if any student uh, who's graduating wanted to reach out to me and say, hey, Jenna, like I am entering um, this practice location. I know it's not ideal for mentoring, but I felt like it was the right place for me at the time. Um, would you be open to like having discussions or me being able to email you back and forth about cases, I would, I would love that. And, um, I don't think it wouldn't take up too much of my time or, you know, be something where you need to formally pay me or anything like that. It's, it's something that I want to do to give back to people who have poured into me. Um, and, so I would say just don't be shy about taking those opportunities, especially if adjunct professors come into your program. And I think that's such an interesting misconception. I think so many people are resistant to want to reach out to folks because I don't want to be a bother. Um, but you will be amazed, right? Um, people love talking about their research or they love talking about their practice and things like that. You know, if it's just a matter of establishing a relationship of, hey, I would like to talk about this patient case, or I'm thinking about, you know, taking these types of courses, or I, I hey, can I float you this deck? I'm giving my first presentation to a referring physician or doing a weekend CEU. I would say most people, surprisingly, almost shockingly, would would be eager for that opportunity. Um, and, and if they don't, because, you know, they have a lot of capacity, they'll probably can refer you to someone who, who would be interested because that maybe their mentoring is now stepping into that mentor role. 
the other thing I would call out, you know, I've been involved in different mentoring programs through AOMT or through the APTA or through the South Carolina APTA. There are these resources out there. And what I can tell you is they're generally underutilized. Um, there's really people who, you know, are more than willing to have a conversation, a phone call, a cup of coffee. Uh, but I think there is this, oh, no, I, I, I couldn't do that. I would be inconveniencing them. We tend to be a very polite profession. There's a lot of people who uh, would really love to talk about some patient care with you and, and have an impact in your career. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Thomas. I think as new grads, we feel like going back to Jenna's point, I feel like we think we have to have it all together. And if we ask questions, then it's like, oh, they think I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but I think that, um, again, like when you're interviewing or you're going to that first job, I think it's important to like look at who's interviewing you. Do you uh, get along with your boss or who would be your boss? Um, and, you know, your coworkers like feel comfortable asking them questions. Um, so I think just like not being afraid um, to ask the questions that you need to. Great. Great answers, guys. Um, speaking of like asking questions um, to kind of get responses that you may not know about, when thinking about entering a certain area of PT, we know that like PT is so vast. There are so many different areas that you can get into practice in, even within the one specialization of orthopedics, for example. How do you guys know when it's time to change settings, either like within that certain specialty or maybe just go a complete 180 and you decide? I worked in outpatient orthopedics, but now I think I really want to do inpatient. What advice would you give? I know, Megan, you work in inpatient, so that's a little bit different for you. And inpatient itself is very vast. And then even Jenna, like you've talked about how you pursued orthopedics and now you want to want to find your niche with pelvic health. What things would you recommend to um, new grads or students that are kind of just unsure or kind of want to take a change in their workplace? I would say it it wasn't something that... I was, oh, I've been, you know, four years out of my orthopedic residency and specialty, and now, now is the time <laughs> that I want to pursue pelvic floor um, training. It was, it was almost just handed to me uh, or set into my lap. Like this wonderful mentor was working in the same clinic with me, um, but I will say that the one thing was that I had. I had spent those three years in school, year of residency training, and by the end of residency, I was a little bit tapped out with um, what I felt like I could have invested in my learning at the time and just outside the clinic. But then, you know, fast forward three years, uh, two-ish, three-ish years down the road, I had that uh, that drive and kind of desire to learn more and be better. And I think those things come in waves and that's okay. Um, whether it's things that are going on outside of, um, you know, your work life that it's just not the right time to pursue a fellowship or, um, specialization with pelvic floor, um, those things happen. But, um, I would say there will be times in your career where you either um, you feel like the position where you're in, you're not growing or learning at the rate that you want to. And that might be a clue. Oh, I need to find a different place that's really, that's going to provide that. Or you feel like, huh, like I, I've kind of maxed out my learning or my potential at this location. And based on my five, 10 year goals, 
like I know I want to make a change or move in that direction. I would say it's just it's it's not easy <laughs> to know, but trust your gut and um and there's really there's no wrong time to learn. <laughs> so go for it. Yeah, so I would echo that, Jenna, uh, as far as kind of bearing in mind your goals. You know, it's okay to be a little selfish. As Tom alluded, we're a very polite group by and large, but uh, and ultimately you do want to contribute to your employer, the organization. But again, keep in, keep in mind your goals. So with my first job out of school, it was a great opportunity for me getting started. Uh, it was a great setup. It was a very encouraging uh, and inclusive group. Uh, but as I was approaching the point where I wanted to start looking more into specialty post-professional education, things like that, uh, it seemed like that was a very divergent path kind of from where the direction was of, of that company at that particular point in time. Uh, and knowing kind of where my goals were and recognizing that staying there in a comfortable position may not kind of facilitate that transition into those further developmental goals, uh, recognizing that it's okay to move on. You know, you can have an amicable split and go off in a different direction if that means or if that's what it takes to get you on the road that you need to be on. Um, and I guess to pick, continue picking backing off of that, um, I think that, again, going back to like your goals, I think if you like Jenna said, if you don't see yourself progressing or there's you don't feel supported um, in that progression, um, I think that's again, you'll know like when the time is right to, you know, it's time for you to, you know, continue to grow and that might be somewhere new. Um, I even considered, you know, jumping from inpatient to like pediatrics at one point. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's wrong to even go in interview at somewhere if you're interested and just like get that experience. Um, and I quickly found that after I went and did that, that that wasn't for me. And I just felt that. Um, so now I came back, you know, I'm at my job now and I still love it. Um, and I found different ways to progress myself um, and to grow in my career. Um, and I know plenty of PTs that have worked in like every setting possible in PT um, and some that have stayed in the same setting for you know, 20 years. Um, so I think it just, you know, see if you have that potential for growth at this company, you know, you might need to stay a year or two to really figure that out. Um, but I think having that potential and seeing that, hey, I could grow here, I think that's really important to have at, at your job. You know, the one thing I'll, I'll kind of add and uh, you know, as, as Jenna was kind of reflecting on her story, so so obviously Jenna kind of revealed that I was a mentor in her residency. She then in, came and worked at the same clinic as, as me for three years. She said she learned everything that she could have there in three years, which was a slight dig, but I would have assumed it was 12 months. Um, so, you know, but but really not to call Jenna out, but maybe it's an opportunity to talk about Jenna was a newlywed and they had some outside of professional goals to see the country and to, you know, maybe build a little bit of a nest egg. So they they went and traveled. Um, so, I mean, that's that's part of this decision to say, hey, Greenville's great, but what else is out there in this country? Um, you know, and, and even just some of the, you know, landed at not a great contract, uh, 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 if I remember correctly, um, you know, and but still to that point about having a professional network, I think we were just catching up and I was like, well, 
I, I think we need some cool people in Washington. You know, would we would you be open to that? So, Jenna, I don't know if you want to talk about any of this, the decisions to say, hey, Tom's taught me everything that I could possibly know from the Spine Center. Um, you know, how do we you know, how do we align kind of some of those personal goals with our professional goals and make the decision to to travel? Totally putting you on the spot, but it's fun. So <laughs> well, let me jump in real quick before anybody stops this podcast and thinks I'm a horrible person. I, <laughs> um, Tom allowed me to get to a place in my career where I felt confident. I felt confident in my skill set and my ability to leave the nest egg of the spine center where I had these wonderful clinicians around me who, like, if I had a patient and I just had no idea what was going on. I could have a conversation at lunch or at the end of the day, and they would stay after and talk to me. And it was wonderful. It was the it was the best place to start my career. Um, but Grant and I were drowning in student loans, and we were not drowning. That's uh, dramatic. But we knew that before we started a family, we would love to get in a better financial position. And we thought, oh man. Like, how are we going to do this? And travel PT um, was something that we both thought, okay, we've spent a couple years um, working on clinical reasoning and, um, and developing ourselves as clinicians that we felt comfortable to go out into the unknown, where we knew that we would not necessarily have mentors or it wouldn't be the greatest learning environment. And so that was our decision to do travel, not immediately after school, but a couple years after. And and it did. It fulfilled like our goals financially, but we ended up <laughs> it was so crazy, you guys. Like I it, it was the first day of the, a job in a state I will not reveal. And it was horrible. It was like, oh my goodness, I don't think I can do this for 13 weeks. And this is what they talk about. And um and Tom just randomly texted me at the end of that week. And I said, if that is not divine intervention, I don't know what is. And so we put in our 30-day notice and then moved ourselves up to Washington and um, signed a year-long contract up there. Uh, and so when I say that you guys will know when it's the right time to, to move on and take the next step, like you, you will, and and doors will open, and like timing will just surprise you. But but that's how Grant and I knew that we felt ready to um, move to home health, PT, <laughs> or to go to travel. Um, and it was simply because we we felt very um, we were we felt strongly that we wanted to um, develop ourselves as clinicians first, and then. Um, move on to, you know, tackling some financial goals. I love that you guys have this dynamic because it just shows like how you are continuously just like finding your network to be amazing friends, colleagues, all of the above, you know, it's great that like we are able to kind of just realize that like there's different times when you'll have different mentors and maybe like you won't be in contact with one in one season, but that doesn't mean that you guys like just stop talking forever. It just comes back around when it kind of feels right. Um, it also speaks to the, Tom, I love that you spoke to the fact that Jenna had a, like a level of confidence about her skill set. And I think as new grads, like it takes some time to kind of build that up, especially if you are kind of in a setting where like, you're not really getting a lot of affirmation about why you're there or like how you're doing with your patients. And so I think 
Jenna, it would be great to kind of hear as well, and also from Joey, about how you guys had that confidence to kind of step out and do your own thing in private practice. Because some people in school might know from the, from the very beginning, I want to have my own company, I want to have my own business, I don't want to work for anyone. Or as they start working, they're getting to that decision eventually. But how would you guys describe the experience in knowing, like, it's time to step out and do my own thing, maybe with some other colleagues in the field or my classmates or just people that I met? or by myself to kind of go into that private practice sector. Throwing me on the spot on that one. Okay, Jenna, that's cool. No, uh, so just being transparent, especially still in school, like business ownership was never on our radar. Um, <clears throat> I think there are a lot of factors that are gonna contribute to kind of your, I guess your headspace or your view on, on going down this road. Some people are just entrepreneurs from the get go and that's great. But for those of us that maybe aren't in that seat or that headspace, um, you know, we've had some different topics pop up from family values to location to job opportunities. And in different areas, let's say you want to settle in a more metropolitan area, there might be several different opportunities that may or may not be a good fit for you. Um, my wife and I live in a, a little bit more of a removed or a little bit more of a rural location. Um, so when you kind of get into this spot, you face a really long commute to find a, you know, an opportunity or a clinic that's going to fit your values and match what you see or what you hope to see in terms of the quality of care you can deliver to patients. Um, so that's kind of what drove us to end up in this spot was we recognized that the opportunities were a little bit more limited uh, as far as being able to deliver the quality of care that we wanted to do and to be able to provide the level of community outreach and community service that we saw fit in the context of our professional scope. Uh, and that's what really drove us to ultimately look into trying to open up our own practice. Uh, you know, just being transparent, it has not been a walk in the park. There are definitely, uh, definitely a learning curve and definitely some struggles along the way. Uh, but ultimately having the platform to be able to do the things that we love, like being able to not just provide care, but be able to provide free health resources and just being a resource to people with questions in the community has been worthwhile uh, and very much worth it. So that's kind of what led us down this path. And um, for Grant and I, we, when we came back to South Carolina, we took a job primarily because we would have a significant role in um, a residency program. And that was something we were both um, interested in is growing as um, as teachers, I guess I would say, um, while also being able to provide um, patient care. But, um, you know, we eventually got to the point where we thought, huh, like, is this the, the spot where we can see ourselves loving going to work for the next 30 years? And when we realized that, um, you know, there were some barriers to like being able to treat the type of patients that we were, were really like excited to go and work with um, every day, having our own practice, um, we've taken away some of those financial barriers for, um, for people to come see us. And so it was it was primarily a decision for Grant and I to create um, a job where we would be excited um, to go to work for years and years to come and to create a clinic environment where people would love to come work, <laughs> work there. And um, and and I think would we have done this, you know five years out of from school definitely not like this is not my personality grant is more of the go-getter business-minded type um but um 
but it got to a point where uh, in my career where I wanted that fulfillment um, and not to, um, I guess, be just kind of like, oh, well, today's a work day, you know, and just kind of go to work. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I want to I want to be excited to to go to work every day. So um, that was our main driver. It sounds important to kind of like create what you want to see. And so whether that means stepping out in on your own to kind of do that in the private practice world or even within a certain company to kind of shift an environment to be a better place for patients and for coworkers, that sounds like a really important thing for people to realize. What would you say outside of the work um, schedule and life that has helped you all avoid burnout? Like what things would you say that you recommend for people to kind of like do to decompress, we know that depending on the setting that you work in, it can be really stressful or just navigating like documentation and loads of that all day. Like what things do you guys like recommend for people to kind of do to explore how to find themselves outside of your profession, especially with a lot of us having like being streamlined, especially the more and more um, that we see the profession grow to be like, I want to do PT, you know, you're dead set on it from college and you go through graduate school and you're just focused on your career and then you get out into this new grad life and it's just like career, career, career. But, you know, we're people outside of our profession. So what would you recommend to kind of avoid burnout? I think coming from, I know you guys are all an outpatient, um, but coming from like an inpatient perspective, my job is very like fast paced, on the go all the time, um, communicating constantly. There's really no time to like rest and decompress throughout the day. Um, And I even found myself like when I finally started working, I was, I had so much free time. I I wasn't doing coursework. I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't have to study for anything and it was fantastic. Um, And so I kind of felt lost for a while. I was like, oh, what do I want to do this afternoon? Like, um, and I think just die, like you really get the opportunity to like dive into your hobbies and like really figure out what your hobbies are. Cause I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but like being in school, you don't really have time to do any of that. Um, so like diving into those hobbies, um, and really figuring it out and having, you know, your group, um, and your support system be there and, um, you know, help you find those things. So I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that, but. I don't know that it really addresses the burnout elements so much. Um, again, I know Tom, I've had Tom as an instructor for a couple of different courses in the context of fellowship. And then I went through fellowship with, uh, Jenna's husband, Grant. Uh, and even with residency, I know you you get so much in the grind, like you're in the clinic mindset, and then you're in your coursework mindset, and mentorship mindset. Um, and that may not burn you out, but that can definitely take a toll. So I think it's good to just try different things that are completely unrelated. I am an absolutely terrible golfer. But when I get into the midst of getting in these really intense patches, I'll just go try to play around and see how poorly or not poorly I can play that day or try home brewing. Just try to do something that will give you another, another thing you can talk to your patients about first off. It's a great way you can kind of bring that back in and provide some value on your professional side. Uh, but just something where you can completely separate yourself. It doesn't have to be anything extensive, maybe. And I know this is really going to depend on person to person, but find something that can kind of add to your identity beyond just your professional identity. Joey, I think that's that's so wise. And, and, and Megan, I, you know, really appreciated your perspective. You know, it's, it's, it's funny for me. Um, I don't think I ever really had 
burnout associated with with patient care or professional, whether I was, you know, waist deep in fellowship stuff or, you know, really uh, when I was, uh, you know, treating 45, 50, 55 patient uh, hours per week. Um, but then when kind of my life changed and I got married and I had a family, that was actually like the really stressful part for me um, because hey, I, I I don't know how to control this. This is really new to me. Uh, I, I can't take a course on how to be a great husband or, you know, how to be a good father. Um, so, so really there was a ton of stress for me in really figuring out my life and roles beyond a physical therapist, um, which I, I don't know if I'm unique in that. You know, I think I've been lucky that in my professional career, I've always been challenge to take on different pieces so it never got repetitive to me as soon as i was really comfortable treating patients 40 hours a week now i was running a clinic okay now i think i, I kind of have this idea of treating patients and running a clinic oh here's a research opportunity okay well how am i varying this and then you know adding teaching or, or, or you know some other pieces to it it's always been varied for me, and I think that can be a, an important part for for people, so they feel like they're perpetually growing and they can see their progression. Because I think if we feel stagnant, that's when maybe we feel burned out. But I, I always want to like warn people, like, hey, sometimes the stuff you think you're escaping to can be the driver of a lot of your stress. But that stress means you're growing. Um, you know, insert weird anecdote about you know, the hermit crab and the shell and needing to find a, a, a new one. But, you know, I, I, I think you do get to a point professionally where you're like, I like what I'm doing. Um, I'm continuing to grow, but I'm at a great place. Hey, my family life and my personal life has, has reached a steady state. Now's the time to, to find an interest or something you can grow and enjoy. I love the kind of bad golfer piece. Hey, I am a very bad carpenter. Um, but that doesn't prevent me from, you know, trying to make a tree house or this new chair or something along those lines. But I'll tell you, if I sought out trying to do woodworking five or 10 years ago before I really was at a good place in these other pieces, it would only have added to the stress instead of being a relief. So I think sometimes in, in the pursuit of, of work-life balance, sometimes we try to add a hobby or we're trying to superimpose social obligations that actually stress us out. Um, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect balance, right? You're going to have pinch points and you're going to have downtimes. And at best, you're looking for an average that's uh, uh, rewarding to you. But for all the folks that are feeling burnt out at work, so now they're superimposing all these other additional things that they've been told should help them reach balance, but instead might be making them just a little bit more uh, unsettled. You know, there's a right time for anything. Don't feel like your path has to be the same as anybody else's. If you feel stagnant at work, try to address that before you're compiling other obligations or stresses to yourself. And then I, I will add, Megan mentioned like finding a hobby and this is my personal experience, but I think a lot of people on here and a lot of people listening to podcasts such as this one are are driven and very type A minded people. Um, and that might not be some something that they would initially like label themselves as wanting to do travel physical therapy. But the cool thing about our profession is that you can travel and go pick different places of, you know, our country that you want to see and experience and 
um, our work allows you to do that. And so for us, it was, <laughs> let's, um, and that's a lot of what I talk about now is I'll find this random person who lived in Reno, Nevada, and I can talk about like that for days <laughs> or, you know, anybody who's from the Pacific Northwest, I, I could talk with them for days because I loved Olympia, Washington so much, but, um, also travel physical therapy allowed me to learn how to snowboard at 29 years old. <laughs> and I'm a very, let's just, I'll add that I'm a a terrible tennis player but I really love tennis <laughs> and um and so <clears throat> I I want to just throw that out there again that um just because you want to um be the best clinician that you can be and you see mentorship as the way to get there and all these different trainings and and ways that you, you need to keep doing the next thing um sometimes it is like okay to just take a step back and and go work in a different setting than you're used to and go travel and and just experience some things and have some fun uh I wouldn't say that my uh career is any um less successful because I took you know about two years out to um not be a, a, um around places that I knew would offer mentoring so I will add that I love that you guys had varying perspectives that all kind of like started in the same place, but like fanned out into your own ways of interpreting things, especially when kind of just finding out like what your definition of balance is, because I think everyone's balance is going to look different. It might not be 50-50 like Tom was saying, it might be 40-60 in some life seasons. So I think it's good to kind of just recognize where you're at and not kind of feel pressured to like add a bunch of things to kind of try to create a new problem. And so um, thank you guys for sharing your perspectives on that and also demonstrating how incredibly talented you all are in your various hobbies. <laughs> um, I just wanted to kind of ask one more question about kind of just like negotiating the unknown and just figuring out like how to set yourself up for the right path to success when finishing school. So what advice would you give when negotiating your first job offer or maybe like something that you thought about after you had your first job offer that you kind of were like, mm, I wish I would have asked for this or kind of explored this aspect of my contract. Um, I think one thing that I like knew absolutely nothing about was like benefits <laughs> coming out of school and like all the like business side behind things. Um, and I think that uh, go again, going back to your mentors is something that and like asking them because now I am very open with all my students that I get and I'm like hey if you want to know like what I make or like you know how benefits work or anything I want to like talk with them about that um and I think just don't be afraid to ask your mentors about that um you know it's you know it can be a you know touchy subject but um I think I'm very open because I knew absolutely nothing about any of that and I felt like school didn't really prepare me as much as I thought they did um or asking you know your parents about it um but getting more details um on that and I think again I keep going back to like the environment ask to shadow or ask to like 
seethe and like follow for a day. Um, you know, if it's the right company, they'll give you that opportunity. Um, and I think if it's not, I feel like it says something in my opinion. Um, you know, I think you, uh, you know, you need to get the feel of the environment. Um, so that's one thing that I wish I would have done. Um, Cause you know, again, I was about to accept that first job offer that I felt wasn't the right thing, but I didn't even go to the building or see anybody. So um, I think that's what I would have done if I were to go back. I, I honestly don't have any strong sage advice. Uh, I know one thing that I think will resonate with a lot of people is you've been in the student student role and student mindset for a few years now. So I think having the reality of getting an offer and saying like, man, I'm actually going to be getting paid money to do this now. This is this is a whole new thing. I think being able to, again, kind of evaluate the company culture, make sure it's a good fit, and then really try to take the time, uh, you know, as time permits to look at different offers and really try to evaluate and understand why one company's maybe offering more in the way of salary, more in the way of you know, health insurance, retirement match, et cetera, and, and really try to pare down okay, you know, which of these two, if it's down to two offers, which of these two do I like better? And is there some discrepancy in pay? And then try to come back to them and just be honest and say, hey, here's where I stand. Is this something that you all can meet me on? Or even just go straight with like an open question of, you know, where can we negotiate on this and see what road that takes? If that ends up changing your decision, great. Um, but again, don't get the sticker shock uh, reaction like I did and just having the, rea uh, the realization of like, oh man, I'm actually having an income now. I, I love those two pieces from Megan and Joey. And 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 I, I think there's so much wisdom there in terms of what's the holistic view of the offer, right? Don't get shocked by the salary when you realize that what you're going to be paying out of pocket for health benefits is going to not just eliminate that difference, but actually put you in the negative compared to another one. Um, you know, a lot of times there's reasons that there are pay bans or there's there's different benefits that are and some of those uh, you can push on a little bit and there might be wiggle room. Sometimes there's not. Um, but I know for me coming out of residency, it was really important for me uh, to be supported uh, by my company through uh, through a manual fellowship. Um, so really, I kind of went with them and that was kind of always my ticket in the back pocket like in terms of okay i see your offer hey what's modifiable what's not modifiable hey i really want to do this what kind of support you know uh would be there hey willing to you know it was a there's a work agreement so a post-completion commitment and i was okay with that but even there was negotiations around hey to offset and have a shorter time commitment to the company i worked an additional hour per week while I was in fellowship, or, or maybe you want to go the opposite and take a longer work agreement so you can keep your salary whole, but only work 35 hours a week because you know you need that time uh, to invest in the learning program that you're pursuing. So I, I think there's always opportunity for creativity, even that's coming from obviously a larger organization that has probably some rigidity when we think about equity across multiple states and positions and things like that. What I can just say is it's it's not going to hurt to ask about what's modifiable and what's not modifiable. It's it's good to get creative and see because ultimately people want you to come work for them. They see something in you. They think you're going to be a valuable addition to that company. There's going to be certain things that they can do and certain things that they can't do or haven't traditionally done. Um, but but 
you can certainly get creative and ask. Um, so whether that's knowing you want to do a fellowship or you want to take this course or, you know, you're looking for more PTO or, hey, student loan repayment is going to be something that's really, really important for your situation. Um, and even going back and saying, hey, I know you have a, a mentorship program or a leadership program. You know, what can we do to work in that? I will have a place in that leadership program after one year or that instead of eight sessions in a mentorship program, I want to do 16. Um, all those things, I think you can find a lot of uh, value and, and room for agreement. And hearing Joey and Tom say those things, I wish I could have gone back to my new grad self and said, <laughs> what is negotiable in this contract? Because that is something that I was not confident enough to say. Um, so new grads, you can do this. <laughs> um, be confident and ask those things. One other um, thing you might be able to use as um, leverage or just um, let you know a little bit more about the company is a ramp up period. So is this some a company that's going to want you to come in right out the gate, you're seeing a full caseload? Or can you say, um, is there room for me to um, mentor half of the day or shadow half the day, see patients the first half or, or whatever it might be, but have some of those things in your head when you're going into your interview um, because people might be totally cool with that and it just isn't something that they've had um, people do in the past. But um, I would say that is a great place to start as a new grad. So, Thank you guys uh, for just having so much insight into this because I think it's something that people are kind of like afraid to ask and you guys have kind of hit on that and just wanting to like share your experiences and be transparent. So I really appreciate that. And just for a final question, I'll let you guys chew on this one for a little bit. What would you say is like your short summary of something you wish you knew when you graduated that you would express to new grads or recent grads? Like this is the one thing that I'd say is something that I wish I did. Uh, one big thing is when I had people in my corner who, um, were telling me that they thought I should do something or I should move into a teaching role. I, I automatically thought, oh, I am not far enough out. Um, you know, I, I can't move into this like leadership or teaching role just yet in my career. I wish I would have been a little bit more confident to take that step. So especially if you have people who are rooting you on and saying you can do this, like believe them and go for it. Um, I think the one thing I wish that I knew is that there are going to be plenty of jobs that want you. Um, having had graduated in COVID, um, I think that it was really difficult for me to find a job and, uh, you know, really, you know, not just accept the first one. Um, and I think going back again, like you don't have to accept that first job. Um, make sure that it's the right fit for you um, and just really, you know, take a step back and look, you know, and I think you'll know, your gut will tell you, you know, if it's right, but um, there are going to be plenty of jobs that want you. So to, don't take the first one if it doesn't feel right. Well, those are such great advice. Um, the one thing I'll say, you know, when we're going through school, uh, sometimes when we're asked to reflect on things, it feels like busy work. Right. Why do I have to write a journal entry? Why do I have to talk to a peer, you know, about having done the shadow? But really, that reflection piece is the key to growth. Um, you know, so everyone's reflection looks different. 
it can be quiet time in the car. It can be journaling. It can be doing voice to text. It can be finding that friend that you meet up with every month to talk about the cool cases you've had. But um, if you're not reflecting, you're not growing. Uh, and if you're not doing it kind of intentionally, you kind of miss the opportunity because you thought it was always just busy work. Some of the best advice I ever got was people think you only grow from when you fail, um, but that's not true. Um, you only grow when you reflect and we generally only reflect when we failed. Um, so reflect on your successes, reflect on your struggles, reflect just on where you are and where you want to be. And um, if you're having that internal monologue and not just floating, uh, there's something to be said for floating because sometimes you you know you 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 end up in in good spots. But it's not about having this you know 25 point plan to get from A to B as a new graduate. It's about saying, hey, I think this is the kind of clinician I want to be. And whether it's a daily basis or a weekly basis, just thinking about whether you're moving in that direction, not moving in that direction, or moving away from that direction. That was a great piece of advice that you guys gave. And I think that was a great um, summary to think about. So I really appreciate that. It was like a mic drop at the end, Tom. <laughs> so overall, I think this has been such a great discussion. I want to thank all of our panelists, each and every one of you, for taking the time out of your very busy days and lives to share your experiences with us. And um, I just also want to shout out and congratulate all of the new grads who may be listening to this. Like Jenna said, you can do this. Believe in yourself. You are confident. You will kill it. So thank you guys and enjoy the rest of your day. You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.